welcome to another episode of Shades Midweek, a podcast where we have conversations about theology, culture, and all things Shades. I'm Jonathan Hapes, and I am joined in for stream studio by the lovely, the talented, the most beautiful pair of men I have ever seen, Bradford Brown and John Mark DeRoe. How are you gentlemen doing this afternoon? Man, I'm doing great. There's a lot of things happening in the studio right now. <laughs> it's chaos in here. Yeah. <laughs> it's so chaos in here. So last week we took the wall down. Yes. And that that separated these two rooms. And now Jonathan has been here all day and he's installing shelves. He's been he's got a saw outside. Doing woodworking. Doing woodworking. Yeah. Very Christ like we got chip gains over here. Very slowly. Very slowly. The back is very tender these days, so lots of slow woodworking right. happening. But uh but yeah, we're we're working on some window treatments and some shelves and Yeah. That kind of thing. They, uh, Joseph like reinstalled a electrical outlet on the wall. Yeah, yeah. And Man. Jam, you have this like it looks like you're about to launch a spaceship from this thing. That's, that's right. Exactly in front of you. what it does. Yes. What, what is you're this? Right. You can just get one of those online. Yeah. Elon Musk sent this to me personally. <laughs> no, we brought we have our mixer that we brought in here. It, it's been in the studio this whole time, like for over a year that we've been recording this podcast. The actual mixer where I can control volumes and everything, has been in the other room. And so finally, with this whole move that we're doing now and all this construction, I moved it in here, so it is with me. It's very exciting. It wow. is very exciting. I have a lot of power right now. You do. Yeah. <laughs> really stepping into that producer role. I could just really just mute any of you at any time. This is true. <laughs> you probably been, need to. I need a cough button. Right. We need that. Right, we do need a cough button. We'll that. work on that. But not only is a lot of stuff going on in the studio and, and all of this, but uh, as you know from our podcast last week, uh, we started a new series, and we talked a lot uh, just about the Psalms in general last week on the podcast, but this week I wanted to talk about something else that's going, well, not for the whole episode, but right. just kind of here at the beginning. Wanted yeah, to, yeah, just to let people know. Yeah. I don't know that people know about this other thing that's happening yeah. in the midst of the, the people series. need to know. They do. They need to know. Yes. Do they need to know? They do need, they to, need know. to know. Um, John Mark's hesitant because it involves his talents. So, um, so John Mark uh, had this idea as we started to launch into the the Psalms of doing some songwriting throughout the series. Yeah, um, and really, I was just thinking about the Psalms as a whole and how there are already so many great songs that have been based off of Psalms or have been inspired or they're just directly verbatim. They are the Psalm, lyric for lyric, right? And I just started thinking about that. And I think, how many how many Psalms are we doing total? through the, Or how many Sundays is this uh, series last? It Including all of the Sundays. I do believe we're going to have a worship and prayer Sunday in right. there, but it's 20 Sundays total. 20 Sundays. So... My thought was like, man, if I could try to write a song per week based on the psalm that we're in for that Sunday, then I would have 19 or 20 songs at the end of this time. And that sounded like quite a challenge and an undertaking. So that's what I'm attempting to do. And so I wrote, I've wow. written two songs now up to this point. So I, I wasn't even going to tell everybody that he was going mean, to try to do it every week. I was just like, I'm trying. trying yeah, he to. did. He did. <laughs> I was like, good, he's though. just going to make some throughout the series. But there we go. The gauntlet's that's been thrown though. down. Maybe I'm, that's the pressure you need. I'm it. trying to stick to it because I feel like that keeps me, yeah, it keeps me in line. But yeah, uh, I wrote a song for Psalm 1. It was really kind of based off of Psalm 1 and 2 right. uh, for that first week. Because you're doing them based around the, the psalms that are being preached that Sunday, yes, right? Mm. Yes. Yes, I'm not just picking any random psalm and doing it for that Sunday. It's specifically for the passage that we're in. 
uh, which Jonathan and Brad have done a great job at mapping all that out for us so that I at least know ahead of time what I'm doing essentially. But um, so, and then the second week I wrote a, a song based on Psalm 16. So we actually played both of those songs this past week. And uh, this week we're in Psalm 22 and I am, I'm, I'm hurting this week. <laughs> <laughs> not, not coming starting, quite as quick. Starting to uh, feel it. I'm starting to feel it. I'm so, like, all right, those first two weeks were like, oh man, this is great. This is awesome. Oh. This week I'm like, I'm dreading and I'm like, oh no, I've got to write this song now. So, yeah. So the week we tell everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, if you yeah. want to hear both of those songs that he's done so far, just go to the live stream video on YouTube from last week and the very first song that they open up the service with after the doxology is the one from Psalm 1 and 2. You Watch Over Me is yes. the working title right now. And then the Psalm 16 song, it wasn't the one right after the message. What was it, the next one? No, it was right after the Oh, it the was message. the one right after yes. the message. I didn't yes. remember what order we played them in. So yeah, so the one right after the message is the one for Psalm 16. So you can hear both of them, both of them there. And yeah. they, they've been fantastic, man. I know oh, you're, man. you're a humble you. dude. Um, but no, both of the songs, uh, I have totally cheated and like, uh, I, I have some, some illegal bootleg copies of these things. <laughs> so, so I get to play them like in my office and dude, I mean, John Mark's lawyer will be reaching out to yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, what, um, but yeah, they're fantastic. It's great. Yeah. One thing that I've always enjoyed about getting to write songs for, a, for a local church is that you get to test it out in real time. And so, these songs will definitely, in some form or fashion, they will change, I think, to sure, some degree. Sure. And so it's kind of fun to like watch the progress in real time happen and how it how it shifts and changes over. I mean, there's even like some lyric suggestions that you sent to me, Jonathan, that I want to incorporate. And John Ball and Jeremy, two other guys that I write a lot of songs with, they've sent me some ideas too. So it's going to be, it's, it's fun. So we'll just see what happens at the end of this thing. And we'll, maybe the last Sunday, it will be all original songs. Yeah. On the last that would be insane. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Um, now I, I hesitate to throw this out because I don't know. Like you said, the project could change a lot yeah. just over the course of everything. So obviously, you're not necessarily sticking to everything that you've you've thought of so far. Right, but right. one of the things you said to me that I thought was really cool, if it's okay if we mention it, mm-hmm. was you talked about kind of the vibe of the songs and, and kind of like the idea behind that. And it really related to the idea of like meditating on the psalms. Yeah. Um, Do you remember that conversation? Yeah. The best way that I can describe it is I was listening to, my inspiration came from listening to an interview with Daniel Lanois, who's this secular producer. He's produced a lot of records and he did this one Bob Dylan record in the eighties called Oh Mercy. And it's amazing. And he talked about how the vibe of the record is they started working on it. Bob only wanted to work at night and really specifically like after midnight is the only time that he, and, and not only when he was in the studio, but he asked Daniel Lanois, don't mix, don't engineer, don't do any additional engineering. It has to be at night. You can't come in during the day and work like it needs to have that midnight feel. And so my thought wow. as I, as I wrote the first song, you watch over me, I was thinking about that vibe musically, instrumentally, but even like just uh, the Psalms in general, almost being like this, these prayers at night that, Mm. that people could uh, listen to meditate on, engage with. And, and I think the way that uh, musically it plays out is it's not these huge anthems. It's not these huge anthems that we would sing on a Sunday morning, which those are great too. They have their place, but almost like to bring comfort, um, to lament, mm. 
mm-hmm. um, all, all of those all of those emotions that we see throughout the Psalms. So that's kind of what I'm trying to go for with these songs. Man, I even think about that. Uh, the, the line from Psalm 16 this week, like David talks about his heart instructing him like in the night. Yes. You yeah. know, and yeah. he, he meditates on the word at night. And both right. of those songs that you've done so far have had that feel. And like I've, I've even told you, I'm like, I want instrumental versions of these because <laughs> I listen to instrumental uh, music when I study and it's just it's fantastic. Yeah, man. So that's that's kind of an exciting thing. So everybody can be praying for me <laughs> that <laughs> I right. can do this and we'll yeah. see what happens for sure. For sure. Well, um, speaking of you and music, you got an album of the week this week? James album of the week. I was hoping you'd press the wrong button. <laughs> I can press, by the way, Brad's talking about, I can press all the buttons for our jingles now on this mixer. It's great. Um, that would have been hilarious. So... As I've been thinking about Jam's album of the week, one thing that I really want to try to do is hopefully introduce bands that aren't that well known. So sometimes I'm not always going to do that. Like I've talked about Dave Matthews Band. It's like that's no everybody knows who that who? is. <laughs> John Mark, are you equipped to introduce people to bands that are unknown? I don't know. <laughs> that's I don't a know. joke. And well, and really, Brad, I mean, the thing is, is like. I'm a dad. I'm married. I have two kids. I don't have time to just look at bands anymore like I used to. So I don't know what's popular and what's cool. There was a (laughs) band that I found, though, that I wanted to introduce, and maybe you guys have heard of them. Maybe some of our listeners have before. They're called Big Thief. Has anyone heard of this band? I have not. Big Thief is an American indie rock band uh, with folk roots based in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and the lead singer, her name is uh, Adrian Linker. I think she has her own music too. And I, I feel like I had heard of her before, just like scrolling through Apple Music or Spotify. They've put out a few records. The one in particular that I am featuring today on JM's Album of the Week is a record they put out in 2019, which was actually one of two records they released in I just, 2019. I just saw that five months apart. That's I know, insane. What, what was happening, man? Um, so <laughs> this album is called UFOF, which stands for UFO Friend. And I, Yeah, uh-huh. And I actually just started listening to this album a couple of days ago. It's from 2019. I thought it was really cool. One thing that's really cool about it instrumentally wise is it's it's like an acoustic driven album, but it's like a full band. But the acoustic is on display on pretty much every song. So I'll play you a clip. This is uh, the song UFOF, UFO Friend. She whispers sing a lot. Yeah. She's so very indie. Kind of weird. Little, you know, not typical, right? Got a Radiohead flair. Feeling feel, feel a little rainy day? Yeah. So I've, I've really enjoyed that. Some of it kind of reminds me of Joni Mitchell. If I wanted to do like an older reference from like the 70s, Joni Mitchell, just a little bit. Some of these songs are pretty cool. Real real melancholy, real chill. So if if you guys have heard of Big Thief and really in, like them, or if you've never heard of them before and you check out this album, let me know what you think about it. I'm curious 
what our listeners think of some of this music. So Big Thief, they have a lot yep, of other albums check too. Check it out. It's very cool. Listen to them. It's very cool. So that was my album of the week. Um, Lovely, Brad. Yeah, what's you, up? You got a book for us this week? I just might. It never gets old. I thought I was going to make it. I thought I was going to make it without laughing. And it's that last note. So I always pause because you can't not laugh after the end of that. Unless you're my wife and you're annoyed by my humor. So that was Did you show her the, the theme song? No, I actually didn't. Her? I actually didn't. That, was, that was, wasn't true. I showed Ashley. She was not amused well, at all. She okay. just kind of stared at me. I, really, is this what why, you did today? Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> Holly rolled her eyes. <laughs> Pretty hard. Well, despite the criticism... <laughs> Our so, wives are only affirming. This is so close to home. Uh, I do have a book for us today, and it will be presented to us by our first guest who has been gracious enough to join us in the studio today. Will everybody welcome for definitely not the first time, but the first time on Bradford's Book Club, Jonathan Haves. Jonathan, thanks right, for being in the Jonathan. studio all and coming right. on the segment I'm today. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to do, do it all again. <laughs> you have to get an well, applause We sat through that. it again for another 20 seconds. <laughs> oh. and, then, and then do it again when it's like, and my book for this week. <laughs> We have to sit through it again. <laughs> this okay. has been Bradford's book. <laughs> Y'all, we apologize for uh for for this. This episode. is what this is why I, I wanted the mixer in here yeah. with me this, so that I could no, no, do no. this. This think, is all necessary. I think all of us are a little delirious. Who knows where this app is going? This is just basic things that we're doing here. Well, guys, I can't tell you how honored I am to have been the first guest on JM's album of the week. Now the first guest on Bradford's book club. You're really blowing up. I, I, I'm just telling you, like I feel like I'm at, I feel like I'm at the top of my game. I yeah, Jonathan. I feel like I've peaked. Well, I think you may have. <laughs> Well, I'm also glad to, to, you know, my first time on Bradford's Book Club, I, I'm glad I'm also recommending the first children's book. Ah, <laughs> yes. Oh, that's something, awesome. Something oh, in your reading level, something I see. For the- <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> so, um, no, so we are excited about this book. No, seriously. So last week, um, we gave a lot of different recommendations for the Psalms. And my wife, actually, she gets total credit for this. Uh, she found this book. Uh, I, I don't remember how she came across it, but she showed it to me, and I was like, yes, I'm buying that now. Yeah, tell us a little bit about so it. So it's a children's book. The title is Wonderful. So wonder and then full, F-U-L-L, wonderful. Uh, subtitle, Ancient Psalms Ever New. The author is Marty Machowski. And I actually have several um, children's books by Marty, Marty Machowski. He, um, he wrote a book called The Ology. Which I've is, heard great things about Yeah, the book. it's virtually a systematic theology for kids. Oh, wow. He's got both an Old Testament and a New Testament uh, children's story Bible, and then he's got one that's kind of for a little bit older kids for like family devotion. He's, he's got a lot of resources out there. Uh, but I didn't know this one existed. And it's a beautiful book illustrated by the same person that illustrated theology, and it's, it's to take kids through 
the Psalms through the Psalter. And so like the book, it actually, it frames the Psalter uh, through a story. Uh, so like the first thing you read in the introduction is like a story about a little boy and his grandfather, and it's his grandfather leading this little boy to interact with the Psalms. So it kind of like helps the kids orient themselves in how to approach the Psalms. Mm. And then he doesn't take you through every single Psalm, but almost. Wow. I mean, yeah, almost every stinking single Psalm. And, and basically with each Psalm, Sometimes he has you read the whole psalm, sometimes just part of it, but there's the psalm, and then there's uh, a reflection or kind of like a devotional uh, that goes along with it, and then um, there's uh, what's called a closer look, which is kind of like challenging the kids to uh, consider things or ask themselves questions from the psalm. It's kind of like the application section, if you will, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and there's beautiful illustrations to go along with it, so, so yeah. Very cool. So I just thought, like, as we go through the Psalter as a church... Um, I was going to get this and go through it with my kids. I think it'll yeah. take about the same amount of time. Mm, I think it'll awesome. take about 20 weeks doing doing a devotional a night. And it only takes a – and we don't – I don't want anyone to get the idea that, like, my children and I kneel with perfect posture every night <laughs> at a set time, you know, and um, and, and do our devotionals. <laughs> That's and, what I was thinking. halos hang over our heads. Um, no, we probably um, average three to – I mean, on a good week, five, but, you know, three to five times uh, a week we try to to do this. We typically do it at dinner time. Mm. And well, this sounds like a great resource. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It is a little pricey. Um, I think it's about 25 bucks uh, on Amazon. But, I mean, like I said. It looks like a nice hardcover book. Oh, yeah. yeah. It looks yeah, real sturdy. Yeah, mm-hmm. super nice. It'll last you through all your kiddos. And, yeah. So, check it out if you want to introduce your kids to the Psalms. Wonderful by Marty Machowski. I love, love it. Lovely. That's Jonathan, it. thank you so much for coming on Bradford's Book Club. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, goodness. Well, well that was fun. Yeah. it's good. And today, I mean, today is actually a pretty epic day, not just because of everything we've talked about so far, but because we have brought in, uh, I don't even know how, a special guest. That's not... It doesn't quite capture. Doesn't quite do it. The kind of guest this is today. So we actually brought in a guest for a meet a member episode. So do I? I don't know how this works because I haven't been here since y'all done the theme song. Do I announce it before the theme song? Let's announce it. I announce it. Okay. Well, today on meet a member, you're going to meet none other than Bradford Randall Brown. Wow. Yeah. I can dig this. <laughs> yeah, you haven't been here since we've done this song, have no, you? No, no. I mean, I heard it like when you wrote it, but best part. I know. Shades. <laughs> All right. What are you? What are you seeing right there after Shades Midweek? Is it like who am I meeting today or something yeah. like that? Oh. Who am yeah. I meeting today? Yeah. So great. Yeah, yeah. So. And great. then I'm like, Man. I'm ready to meet you. <laughs> Come on, come on. Yeah. Eventually, we'll so, release man, the Shades. Time is time. We'll, we'll release the Shades Midweek album eventually. Oh it's just, just the jingles. <laughs> oh, totally. The extended totally, versions. 100%. Well, yeah. I mean, we did a Meet a Member with me. Uh, yep. Gosh, feel, I mean, that was last year at some point. And so we need to do Brad and Jonathan Meet a Member at some point. So this week just worked out. We're like, let's let's get it in with Brad. So yeah, yeah. We are also going to eventually do a Meet a Member with each of each of our wives. Yes. I have promised mm-hmm. my wife that is coming. And I've promised her that when it's her turn, 
It'll be just the two of you interviewing her. I will yes. be honest. Holly, <laughs> you're stepping out of the room. Holly, we have so many questions. How do you do it? But I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It, it would be really interesting to break down the hours of like labor division. And you guys might have to handle me more than she does. It, it may, may wow. be a thing. That's a thought. Especially while we have kids. Because <laughs> it feels like we only get to interact about 30 minutes a day. <laughs> anyway. All right. That's, this but is it, not my meet a miss. This is yours. Jonathan, tell us more about that. So, Jonathan, why don't you tell us a little bit <laughs> about myself? No. No. So, so Brad, you know, we yeah. really just want to ask you these questions so that JM and I can take a nap because we already know all that's of this true. information about Maybe you. Maybe that's what we should do is you guys should share my story <laughs> and I can tell you all. You can correct it if we yeah, don't get yeah. it right. How, how good you got it. So Totally. Well, I mean, let's just get started with Brad. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you grew up because we've never heard it before. Yeah, totally. <laughs> do you guys know where I was born? Georgia. Yeah, that's easy. That's softball. Uh, Do you know the city? Well, I, this you, is you not, grew up this is in... Not cool. uh, you, <laughs> you just said you knew. I was just asking. You grew up outside of Buckhead, right? I mean, Ish. that, that he, he grew up in Peachtree City. Peachtree yeah. City, that's oh, what yeah, I was I wasn't born to, in Peachtree, though. Yeah, but is there oh, even a hospital born. in Peachtree? Is that why you weren't born? Was your family living in Smyrna. Peachtree? We were not. Smyrna. We were not. So I was actually born in Col- Com- <laughs> Columbus? Columbus, Georgia. Columbus. I was going to say Carrollton. Columbus, Georgia. Have you ever been to Columbus, Georgia? Where is that on the Georgia geographical Exactly. Um, Phoenix City. Do you know Phoenix City, Alabama? I know Phoenix City, Alabama. It's the same city. Yep. It just depends on which side of the river you're on. Okay. Yep. So, uh, southwest Georgia. And Mm. uh, lived there until I was in, what, first grade, and then we moved to Peachtree City. Okay. But I grew up... I grew up in a loving Christian home. Uh, you know, I say that. I was just reading a book by a uh, Christian psychiatrist, and he said that anytime you hear someone in the church say, I grew up in a loving Christian home, it means they uh, grew up in a home where we don't talk about our problems <laughs> then or now. <laughs> so that's not true. I want to be clear, just in case he's listening, because I know he faithfully listens to Midweek. Right. Um, no, my family... Uh, was not perfect, uh, but they were uh, loving and supportive, and uh, both of my parents are strong believers. And were, were they listeners to the show? Is that why you're saying all these nice things right now, Jonathan? Don't bring that up. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure your sister listens though. Uh, yes, because she corrected me. I made a statement about something I did. <laughs> And that was the only thing she said. She was like, you said you were in high school. You were in middle school. And I was like, thank you for that. Um, so, as, yeah. I was just going to say, as any sister should. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh. Exactly. Um, but no, I, yeah, I did. I grew up in a, in a loving Christian home. My parents were devoted to the local church. I was just talking about this with my mom. But when we were in Columbus, there was a trailer park that was about 10 minutes from the church. And in that trailer park was a little church. Two missionaries uh, ran it. The church met in a trailer, and it was called the Victory Mission. And my mom was the youth Sunday school teacher uh, when we were in Columbus. And so I can remember uh, driving with her each Wednesday. She would uh, pick up the kids. She would uh, and actually bring them to the church that we went to, and then she taught there on Sundays. And so 
my dad was very involved as well. He was uh, a deacon in the church, and then when we moved to uh, Peachtree City, Atlanta, uh, was very involved in First Baptist Peachtree City. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm very, I'm very uh, fortunate. I'm very privileged to grow up in the in the home that I did, with uh, two parents that that loved me and supported me. And when I think back to my parents, I think about uh, their presence in my life and my mom and my dad and when we lived in Atlanta my dad you know sometimes was driving we lived in the suburbs Peachtree City my dad worked in downtown and then eventually on the north side we lived on the south side and so he would have to drive an hour and a half some days uh to get to work one way nightmare uh one way Um, yeah um there was one day where he said it took him three hours three hours um it takes me three minutes to get to work. <laughs> um, so that's why when uh, people in Birmingham are like, oh my gosh, you live where? Yeah. It, oh, that's got to take you like 20 minutes to get to church. People in Atlanta are like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you don't live 20 minutes next to anything in Atlanta. Uh, yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, even with that, my dad, I uh, can remember him being at practices and games and always very present, very involved. So, so very blessed to grow up in the family that I did. My, I have an older sister, Lindsay, who followed me to Shades. Um, no, but she, uh, she lives in Birmingham. She's a member at Shades Valley. She is a counselor. She works with Impact Counseling. And um, so we actually... Uh, when I moved to Birmingham to attend Beeson, we lived together. Uh, me and my 20s, her in her early 30s, siblings, just bunking together. Uh, we had a, a family home, and so we got to live together during that season. Well, I was actually going to say, you know, even though you were born in Georgia and grew up in Georgia, you have had a lifelong connection to Birmingham. Yes. And you ended up here for a reason. Yes. So my uh, parents grew up in Birmingham, and so uh, I would come to Birmingham all the time to visit my grandparents and actually skated at this, uh, at the ice lodge, uh, yeah. where our building is now. Wow. Yeah. Jam, did you ever ice skate here? No, I did not. Mm. Mm. Sorry guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> let, let I don't go. know where I was going with that. I was just, yeah, <laughs> trying to figure out if I was just the only to make one connections. That did. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. So who knew that I here, here I would uh, land in Birmingham and my sister, my parents are, they're retired. And so they're, they're retiring in Birmingham. So the whole family's here. So that's wow. really cool. That is cool. Yeah, so uh, tell us about how you came to the faith. So uh, you you obviously grew up with Christian parents. You grew up in church a lot, I'm assuming, like every Sunday, Wednesday, that that type of thing. Yep, totally, 100%. And I think uh, it was uh, third grade, probably the beginning of third grade, I can remember in Sunday school class the teacher asking I'm pretty sure this is correct. I could be wrong, but this is how I remember it. It's my experience, my truth. Um, but I'm pretty sure the teacher asked, like, who's been baptized in the class? And, you know, a few kids raised their hands, and I think the kids that raised their hands got a prize or got something. Maybe it was a book. But I just remember you get to go to the treasure box today. All right, all the kids that haven't, you guys face the wall. Pray. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Extra star on the star chart. Right. We literally I, had star charts in my Sunday school class growing oh up. Like, yeah. I'm not even kidding. Totally. It's a thing. And so, uh, for those of us who didn't always achieve in the classroom, <laughs> it can be a very traumatic experience. 
Uh, but yeah, I can remember being a kid and thinking, oh crap, I need to get baptized. This is not good. I'm not in the inner circle. Um, and I have to acknowledge that there was that reality. Uh, but on the other hand, I have to acknowledge that I believe that Jesus was Lord and that he died for my sins. And so one evening, uh, my family would eat dinner together. No TV. I always hated that as a kid. Mm, yeah, All my tough. friends, we'd, I'd go to their house. They got to watch TV at the dinner table with their family. Not the brown house. <laughs> no TV, um, which I'm actually very grateful for. It's a practice yeah, I hope to go. implement in my own family. Yeah. All my ideals. I don't have kids, right. you know. Um, but hey, hey, don't don't talk bad about Oxford that way. That's true. That's true. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but yes, talked to my parents and uh, went and met with the pastor, Dr. Allen, and he walked me through the ABCs: admit, believe, confess. I prayed in his office. And I was uh, baptized. And as I think back to uh, my childhood and coming to faith, at the time I believed that that's when I was saved by grace through faith. I had no idea what I was stepping into. Um, but nonetheless, I believe that uh, the Lord uh, was working and that he, he saved me. Um, so that was third grade. And uh, as I got into middle school and high school, uh, I kind of played the role, I always say this in my stories. Of the black sheep. Of the black sheep, but I say something else. You said for us to fill in what you're going to say. and But I say I say it in another way. That's one of the lines I always say. I say the black sheep, I say the rebellious Baptist student. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Were you in private school or public school? I was not. I was in public school. I played uh, sports growing up. Played soccer. Mm. Peachtree City was a big soccer city. Uh, played golf. Peachtree City was a big golfing city. Peachtree City is actually the perfect retirement community. <laughs> golf was, cart capital of the world, yeah, right? I kept waiting for you to say everyone, that. Line. Oh, I forgot yeah, about no, that. Everyone, uh, everyone owns a golf cart, and when I say everyone, I mean like almost everyone owns are, a golf cart. Are there cart. a lot? Are they street legal golf carts in um, certain areas, like where they have? There's golf cart can, paths, but there's like golf everywhere. Cart paths. So there's like 120 miles. Oh my goodness! <laughs> golf cart paths. Bridges, tunnels, really, um, parking spots. In my so, high school, hundreds of golf really? cart parking spots. Give me an example of like, yeah. so you can get to yeah, the yeah. school. But students this, drove yeah. golf carts to school. Yeah, because when you're 15, you could drive a golf cart by yourself. No. And so as a 15 year old, you get a permit, you can drive a golf cart. So you're like freedom. So can you go to freedom you, on a golf cart? <laughs> it, you do it someplace that would normally take you know 10 minutes to get into a with a car. It takes right. about an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> To get you in a golf cart, but nonetheless, I have so many questions. Can oh, you yeah, get to sure. can you get to restaurants and stuff with their with the yep. golf you get, cart you paths? You can basically get anywhere in Peachtree. So you may have to cross yeah. over a road, but there's golf cart paths. Like if there's a new subdivision built, then like a golf cart path is built into that, for sure. That is incredible. Yeah, wow. and there's a there's a ton of golf courses, and it's not the so, country clubs there are not like status or very expensive. It's about getting people to be able to play, and so you join one and you join all of them. And so, so you're probably like I said it's an amazing if you're if you're looking at retirement. I'm telling you, check out right. Peachtree <laughs> City. Uh, it sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. So you're probably only going like 25 miles an hour on the golf cart. It, uh, oh, I think it's down, less. Downhill, and you break yeah, the uh, governor, right. as it's called. Right, right. You know that slows you down. Right. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Public so, school golf. So carts. public school golf cart drove a golf cart, and made most of my friends through uh, sports. And I've actually done a lot of reflection on this recently. As a as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, like so many teenagers, I mean, I deeply wanted to be known. I deeply wanted to be accepted, and I found that 
um, with my friends. And if I had to describe my group of friends, if you've ever seen the movie uh, Friday Night Lights or the TV show Friday Night Lights, I had a lot of friends yeah. that played football. Um, so just imagine that, except people that aren't 30 playing teenagers. <laughs> so it's a lot more awkward. It's a lot less cool. And our football team lost every single game. My uh, never scene, made it. Never made it to the state playoff championship. N- huh? n- never made it to the state championship playoff. We played Cam Newton senior year. I remember that. Um, and we got whooped yeah, every game. But that was a big down. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But uh, I mean, those were my friends. And man, I wanted everything as a teenager. I so desperately wanted everything that that world, you know, uh, offered. Said that it could offer. Um, I mean, it was kind of. Uh, sex drugs and rock and roll except it wasn't even it was kind of rock and roll but it was more country and that's uh, that's a part of my story i have to admit i uh uh this i think a, one of my first okay place for confession yeah no we're gonna get real honest i mean one of my first concerts was kenny chesney <laughs> and wow. i can i like i loved it man like it's uh, who's your favorite artist brad i'm like kenny chesney man he uh he's amazing <laughs> like that's who i was you know so have you guys ever been to a you know, you ever listen to Kenny Chesney or been to no. a Kenny Chesney concert? <laughs> I've never been to a Kenny Chesney. Phillips Arena. It was packed. I wasn't alone, you know? I a lot of people love it. The one time my band played in Montgomery on the Christian stage, I may have shared this before, but I'm not going to do the whole story, but at night it, it changed over to the country music stage. And okay, so, yeah. Um, what's the guy's name? Um, Dirks Bentley play do you know who dirks bentley is he played we dirk met him Bixley, dirks, dirks bentley. bentley dirks bentley opened up for kenny chesney at the concert oh so, wow there's yeah. a connection there yeah so he mm-hmm. opened up and we had all our backstage passes so we got to meet him and we didn't know who he was because we didn't listen to country music oh, sorry man. brad but uh and then keith urban played that night too oh yeah, yeah. i love keith urban yeah. too yeah. brooks and dunn wow yeah yeah, yeah. um okay. red dirt road <laughs> Anyway, did you have so a Garth Brooks phase? Did I like did. Garth? No, I missed that. Oh, I missed man. all that. Yeah, Gosh. yeah. Um, so, man, I talked way too long about that. <laughs> really didn't mean to. This is these are the um, things these these are the nuggets that people want. Yeah, Brad. exactly, exactly. I'm trying to spice it up, you know, since you right. guys know so many things. Right. But I mean, I kind of uh, did the you know Southern Baptist Rebel uh, double life. I was I played in the praise band uh, and went on every youth trip. Uh, my parents would make me go sometimes, but I was there and I was the type of rebel that wasn't, uh, rude, especially to adults. I learned that from my parents that if you mouth off to adults or you're disrespectful, it's not going to end well for you. And so I was always respectful rebel. I was always respectful. I was always polite to their faces. Right. Um, teachers, everyone, you know, I would answer, uh, the questions in Sunday school, that sort of thing. I had some people fooled. Some people that could see through that knew what was going on. And looking back in it, I'm like, okay, you guys, mm-hmm. I, I see, I see um, what you were doing at the time. But really in the midst of all that, uh, there's a million stories of God's faithfulness and God drawing me uh, to himself and uh, bringing me back to him. But I'll just, I'll list uh, two that stand out to me very briefly. The first is... Uh, there was a night, it was like a Friday night and I was with a friend and we were drinking and it was one of the first times in my teenage years where I kind of had, uh, unlimited 
access to alcohol. So we both got very intoxicated and I needed to drive home. And so that evening I, I drove home. I, I got in the car and drove home and I don't remember, uh, a lot of that drive. Yeah. And when I reflect on that, I think I should definitely be dead or I should have killed someone else. And it's only by the grace of God that I am here today. That night, uh, providentially, I won't tell the story, but my parents found out. And so I got caught. And that's when everything kind of came to light. And the act that I was playing for the past four years was kind of seen. So through that, uh, I... uh, could only really hang out at one place and that was church <laughs> you can go to church or you can sit in your room by yourself you debate it for a second and then you decide okay i'm, a, I'm gonna go to church um, but through that i developed some deep friendships uh friendships from friends that uh were in my wedding uh friendships that i still i talk to these guys today and they were really the first people in my life where i uh confessed i was honest and I was met with uh, mercy and grace, and they confessed, and we supported one another. And God really used uh, those friends, honestly, and uh, some faithful youth leaders that uh, had a lot of patience with me and really met me where I was at the time to draw me to himself. The second story is at the end of my uh, time of high school, my dad had a work trip, and he kind of took me and and in some ways, I think it was one of his last attempts <laughs> to say, okay, I'm going to spend some time with my son before he goes off to college and can really do whatever he wants. And the trip ended at a youth camp that my uh, youth group was at. I wasn't able to go. And um, we're really coming full circle with the country music. But that night, uh, my dad dropped me off and the pastor, uh, an evangelist named Clayton King. If you were in a Baptist church in the Southeast, there's a good chance you've heard of Clayton King. He gave a sermon that night called uh, Live Like You Were Dying, where he played um, uh, what Tim McGraw's Live Like You Were Dying. Guys, this is a part of my testimony. I can't escape it. I'd love to escape Listen, this I mean, pop country I, music. I feel the need to confess because I'm over here in my head singing the lyrics to Live Like You Were Dying. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> I, I went skydiving. Yeah, it's uh, very good. But that was kind of his illustration, you know? Right, and, right. And he asked, how are you living? And, you know, it's very humbling as a pastor now. Because, you know, as pastors, we think that we really do stuff. And God's like, I'm going to save this kid through a Tim McGraw song. I'm going to show you how powerful I am. And this is how I'm going to move. And he did. I mean, I was in that in that gymnasium that smelled like sweaty teenagers in the midst of a pastor talking about a Tim McGraw song. I was convicted of my sin, the way that I was living. And... Um, I was surrounded by friends that I'd made, and really from uh, f- from that point on, uh, there was a there was a there had been some transformation happening that continued. And in the next year, I went back to that camp. He didn't use the Tim McGraw illustration, but I felt a call to ministry. And I can remember at the time, how old were you at this point? I would have been a senior yeah. in wow. high school. Yep. At the time, I uh, was dating a girl that wasn't a Christian. She was there. Um, she came up to me and she's like, I'm so proud that you're going to be a pastor, you know, just thinking back to your teenage brain. And I was like, yeah, yeah thanks. You know, <laughs> I didn't think about it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> didn't mean to share that detail. <laughs> just kind of, just kind of came out, but I can remember it's the nuggets, you man. know, it's what we're here it, for. It's so, it's so, 
it's just so humbling to remember the Lord's patience and grace in your life. I remember feeling this call and I knew, I knew, I, I mean, it's very kind of traditional in a way, very stereotypical. I mean, I felt a call, stood up, said, yes, I want to go into the ministry. And I can remember <laughs> going up to my youth minister and being like, hey, Jim, um, <laughs> how much do you make? <laughs> just like ballpark. I'm like, like so are you... Like, I'm just throwing this out here. Say you wanted a truck, right? Back to the country music. Right. Say you wanted like a truck with, you know, big tires. Right. Could you could you afford that? On um, a pastor's salary? Yeah. Do you um, do you watch R-rated movies? I'm just curious. <laughs> uh, like, those are the questions that are going on. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, that's kind of... That that was a, a very uh, jagged journey that I just took you through not jagged, curvy, it wasn't a straight line, but of kind of how I came to faith and then my teenage years and how the Lord really drew me to himself and uh, through everything and called me to ministry. Yeah, so, oh, were you going to ask something? Oh, no, I was I was going to say before we continued on with the interview, do you want to do you want to do a, a lightning round? Love it. All right. It's time for lightning round. <laughs> Aren't you... All right. <laughs> oh. Are you excited to be on this side of the lightning round? I mean, I well, guess we've I hope done you guys, it with you before. I hope right? you guys came up with all new questions. That's what I'm expecting. They're all, they're all old questions. I was about to say, I looked at number one, and it's, it's the normal number one. Some of these, I did try to think... Brad centric on a few of these. Oh, cool! So they'll Thank pop. You. That'll pop up Man. here or there. And Love Jonathan, that. if you think of some off the top of your head, by all means, jump in. Sure, sure. Okay. So here we go. How do you like your eggs? Scrambled with cheese, cheddar cheese specifically. I think the best yeah. eggs, um, in my opinion, are done at Waffle House. Oh, they, wow. The way they do the cheese and the eggs, it's. Yeah. You know, I don't think they'll list it. It's not public information, but it's really right. phenomenal. Have Have either of you guys ever been to Salem's Diner in Homewood? No, but tell me about it. Salem's, Salem's. Yes, yes that yes. little hole I, in the wall. They're They're known for the the Philly cheesesteak. They're They're across from Johnny's, basically. I've only been there for lunch and had a Philly cheese. Oh. Go have their breakfast. It's greasy. It's awesome. Oh, they have man. They have great eggs. Is what yeah. made me think about it. Avocado toast. Do they have that? I don't think so. Oh my. <laughs> Speaking of food. What's your favorite restaurant in Birmingham? Yeah. Oh, my god. You kind of consider yourself like a little bit of a foodie. Like speed I feel speed like. round, Brad. No. Come on. Um, Lightning round. Yeah, I would say... I, I mean... Okay. Preface. I have not... I've only eaten here like two times. Yeah. But Bottega. Frank Stitt's Bottega. Yeah. You have to go there. Is, do they do breakfast? Oh my gosh! Uh, could you imagine? No, they may do a brunch. I don't actually know for sure. The don't chicken probably lays the egg at the table. <laughs> I bet it's something like that. Something insane. All these are food related. What's your favorite junk food? So broad. The first thing that came to my mind is Zaxby's. Okay. Well, it doesn't have to be fast. But I think it's because I just said the chicken thing. Right. But like, if you're at home, pizza. Is pizza okay. junk food? Yeah, sure. I mean, I was thinking like snack you know, food, uh, like, like Doritos. Okay, I'm not a big. Uh, I'm not M&Ms. a big. Yeah, don't yeah. say, don't say, you don't say you don't like Doritos. I caught you with a bag of Doritos I earlier did. today. I stole them from our children's ministry. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Leah. Sorry, right, she, she I'll reimburse. Listen. 
But they were the spicy ones. You can't be giving that to kids, right? <laughs> no. They have spicy ones up there? Yeah. Sorry, I'm, Leah. I'm going to be I'm looking out some. for our kids. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, pizza and then, I, I don't know, I don't really, I'm not much of a, a snacker, to be honest with you. Man, good for you. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok? Um, <laughs> so I... I have a weird social media presence. I have accounts. I'll go on there sometimes. I never say anything or post anything. Yeah, you never post anything. Except for maybe my wife's birthday. Yeah. Um, but. So in other words, you're you're a lurker. I think. <laughs> you're just watching everyone. You're just, you're just creeping. But I'll just say recently, mm-hmm. um, TikTok is a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, it's. There's there's starting to be like political conversation and news is starting to get on TikTok. I mean, it's probably been there a while. But the little exposure that I had to it, it was just a bunch of dumb videos, you know, like a guy driving a four-wheeler off a roof. And, like, that's the kind of content that I want to go <laughs> to social media for. And then next, I think, would, would be Instagram. But Instagram, oh, boy, I don't want to offend someone. Instagram without an agenda, you know? Like, okay. post a picture of your food. Yes, that's what I want to see. Um, your dog is... Rolling over, post that. Yeah. That's what I'm. That's what I'm on Instagram for. Well, if you're, you know, you're hanging out with friends, and you're like, "Here's my best friend Bob." Mm-hmm. You post a picture of Bob. I, I love that kind of stuff. Well, you know, it's funny because I feel like everything has shifted. Because before, I feel like it was what was fun or funny to pick on Instagram about was, "Oh man, everybody's posting pictures of their lattes, yes. latte art, and all this stuff." Yes. But now, stop doing that. That's but, that's what was implied. So, but now you get what you, you ask for. You get people to stop posting their latte art and they're posting like their exactly. thoughts on yeah. current events and whatnot. And then you're like, can I, can you just go back to the latte art now? Yes. You know, it's 5 p.m. It's at the end yeah. of the day. I'm trying to check out for a second. I just want right. a latte art. Yeah. You know, I've seen one that looks like a cat. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I was just observing that conversation. I don't really have a preference, to be honest. I post some stuff about social issues sometimes on my Instagram. That's true. And I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. (laughs) Yeah, you did, Brad. Yeah, you did. I I saw you punching on JM over here. I'm I'm sorry. I'm in a very goofy mood. So uh, I think that's great, JM. I really do. This is going to be really hard for you to answer, okay? So three... Of your favorite television shows ever. Because for those who don't know, I don't I don't know anyone else who watches more television than Brad. (laughs) And maybe that's not something you wanted me to say here publicly on this podcast. It's because he doesn't have children yet. (laughs) But it's true. You can ask him about any show and he'll be like, Oh yeah, I'll watch that. Or you like the other day in the office? You were like, "Have you seen Falcon? Whatever that show is." Oh, the Winter Soldier. And he's like, "Oh yeah, I started." I'm like, I didn't. "Like <laughs> what? Like what is happening?" It's true. So what it's are true. What go are, on and name I, the one we all know you're going to name. What are some of your favorite television shows? Well, I mean, three the, of them. I mean, the the Office is definitely at the top of the list. Yes, and I mean, I just go back to it. Right, but now I can't. Right, it's off Netflix, isn't yeah, it? They took it off Netflix. It's just NBC it's on Peacock. Their, their streaming oh service that makes it more difficult. Yeah, but I'm trying to think. There's uh, there's a show I want to list, but I'm a pastor, and so I'm not going <laughs> to list it. And there's actually like three shows like that. So, so those this are your actual top three. Yeah, I thought this I was just, a safe place for confession. 
It is and it isn't, you know? There's um, a line. So if you want to know, you can ask me. And I will Email assess, midweek at shadesvalley.org. Yeah, you ask me personally, and I will assess the situation. Um, yeah, thir- uh, 30 Rock is another show that just line, like when it comes to joke per minute, is just absolutely yeah. phenomenal. That's another one I haven't been able to see in a long time. And then uh, third. Uh, You're Parks and Rec uh, fan, right? Um, Those are all three very similar shows. Yes, Parks and Rec is definitely another great comedy. Maybe I should just stop there. <laughs> the wi- I will say The Wire has stayed with me. Um, Mad Men? Mad Men's great. Yeah. I think you listed that, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, don't, uh, I, I like Mad Men. I don't know if I put it in my top three. Yeah. Breaking Bad yeah. uh, was, was a pretty amazing ride. Yeah. Um, so you talk about being a pastor. Who was I talking to? I was like, oh, I've been, it was wanna... back when Breaking Bad was just starting, and I was been watching Breaking Bad, and I was like, maybe two seasons in, and someone was like, oh, I just started. It's too dark. I can't do it. And I was like, well, it just gets darker. <laughs> it just gets worse. I was about to say. So, so basically, what we've learned is you either want to laugh or you want to go into the pit of depravity. Yes. Um, what's yes, funny? This is totally. how different Shades is um, than than other churches that I have served at. So y- you just. You talked about Breaking Bad and Mad Men uh, you know, openly on a podcast for everybody to yeah, hear. Right? Yeah, that's true. I remember. Well, getting... I'm a little uncomfortable. That's my Baptist. <laughs> that's my Baptist upbringing. I remember getting phone calls and emails at a previous church that I'd served because uh, of a Seinfeld illustration. <laughs> oh my and, goodness! And using worldly oh television shows and such. So it's a little, oh, little bit of a different vibe here. That's great. Anyway, favorite golf course you've ever played on. Oh, that's easy. St. Andrews. Got the opportunity to go to Scotland, played St. Andrews. I had to wake up. You can't get an individual tea time. I'm going to talk about this. That's why I asked. That's why I put it on the list. I'm going to talk about this. Um, First of all, St. Andrews is beautiful. Even if you don't like golf, uh, I would highly encourage, if you have the opportunity, go to Scotland. It's amazing. Um, Got to go to Edinburgh. Uh, and then went to St. Andrews. It's called the old course, right? The old course. Why, Why is it called that? Well... Some people debate this, but it's known as, like, the kind of first golf ever. This is where golf was started. And some people will say, like, that's not historically accurate. I, I thought but, that's why it was called that. But I don't listen to those people. We call those people <laughs> morons. No, I'm kidding. I'm really not that passionate about that. Um, but you can't, get, you can't get individual tea time. And so I had to wake up at 2 a.m. and go and sit outside. It's freezing cold. Oh, my And goodness. sit outside. There was already a line when I got there at 2 a.m. And it was people from all over the world waiting. Of and, course. And that's to... Uh, try and get a tea time. So you might not even get to play. Um, but I did get to play at a caddy. It was it was an amazing experience. Wow. Yeah. Were you nervous at all? I was so nervous. Like On the when first you tee, teed off that first... Yeah, because there's tons of tourists and people just come around and watch. And so and oh, it's such a famous... So there's kind such of an a famous audience. Hole. Yep, you've got an audience. And you can't... I mean, I guess you could go to the range. I didn't have the opportunity to go to the range or warm up. It's cold. You've been up all night. You're running on adrenaline. And you're just like, please, just... Let me hit the ball. Just let me make contact. Don't make me look like a moron in front of my wife and in front of, you know, these Asian tourists. So just please. It's so. hilarious for Brad to be saying this for those who don't know. Because I have I have been to the golf course with Brad. And and for anyone who has ever just played like once or twice, if you saw Brad play, you'd be like, he's ridiculous good. No. Don't yes. say that. Ow. Don't say that. You, you would. You would. Anybody would who like is just that. If anybody's like me. 
who like just has they've gone golfing, but they're not a golfer. They would look at you and be like, "Oh my gosh, this is ridiculous." Well, I mean, we don't want to say that to people. Have you ever met someone that found out they play golf and liked them more? Probably not. You know, I don't feel like it's a good it's a good thing to add on. So, oh, how long does it take you to get ready? <laughs> So it depends. I feel like he's going to undersell this. Uh, well, weekdays, I mean, I think about my dad, who early on in his career, um, my dad, not in Columbus, but I think when he was in Griffin, I mean, he was known as the telephone guy. My dad worked for the telephone company. And he was like the telephone guy in the city, which is just hilarious. Uh, I mean, he would wear a coat and tie every day. And uh, I'm, I'm so far from that. So most, I wear a hat most days. And then mm. black jeans, and then I rotate shirts. Right. So um, I take a shower when I feel gross. That's just kind of a personal approach to showering mm-hmm. that I've done my entire life. Uh, and uh, my wife thinks it's gross, so we're working <laughs> through that. But on those days, it doesn't take very long. But if I have to take a shower, normally after the shower, you look at yourself in the mirror. You're a little disgusted, yeah. a little repulsed, realize, okay, I need... You know, my neck hair is kind of getting out of control. So it, that can take a little longer. And then I do use a blow dryer for my hair, for those of the, oh. those of you that are curious. And I recently made the switch from gel to hairspray, and I've okay. really gotten great results with that. So come, if anyone's Come on c- over into my hairspray world. Okay, you're come a hairspray, too. I'm a hairspray guy. Yeah, my father-in-law made fun of me when I whipped out my hairspray at Thanksgiving. I was shocked by that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so – but that takes a longer, maybe 10, 15 minutes. Um, but if not, then, I mean, we're talking three minutes. I'm out the door. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. I'm so sorry. This hey, is the worst. This is a bad day to interview what, me. What was the uh, What was the name of the first band you ever played in? Can you great remember? Question. Or just the worst name of a band you've ever played in? Well, I. Th- it would have been my. See, when we did band stories, we talked about this. Like my first band was like a high school praise band. You know, so were y'all called David Crowder band? was edgy for us, right? Um, but our band was called driven um there you go and i think it's because we saw a poster that said driven and it was like driven by love yeah and i think there were nails in the picture or maybe like did something with the cross i just it doesn't make a lot of sense but that was it driven i think there's an action movie starring sylvester stallone called driven Oh yeah, came out in the two thousands. That makes me feel better. That makes me feel better. I mean, I don't think it was very good. Yeah. (laughs) All right. What's your favorite? What was your favorite Auburn football game, either in person or on television? Because I didn't. You obviously went to Auburn, and we're going to get to that here in a moment. You went to Auburn for a period of time, but. Um. I mean, any. I'm trying to think of. So I grew up in Georgia as an Auburn fan. And right. so I have like a more negative feelings and anger comes up in me when, when someone starts barking, you know, like a Georgia bulldog. <laughs> um, and so anytime uh, I was there the year that Auburn, I can't JM, you'll know. Mm-hmm. It was the year that Auburn went to the national championship and lost to Florida state with Gus Malzahn. 2013. 2013. So it was uh that was the kick six year. Yes. But the game before that, we played Georgia. Yes. All right. And the last play, Nick Marshall throws down. up a, a Hail Mary, and I was there. I was there. Wow, the, you yeah, were at had, that game. Got tickets on the 50. 
Um, really? Yep. So had great tickets. And as he's throwing it, I'm like, well, that's the end of the game. Right. There's two Georgia guys down there. Right. And then the Georgia guy uh, tips it up. And uh, uh, Well, Nick Marshall threw the ball. Who Ricardo, caught, Ricardo Lewis. Lewis. Ricardo Lewis. You know. Catches it. And everyone, I think I, I, my, I was with my uncle. I think I kissed my uncle. I mean, everyone was just going, <laughs> everyone was going crazy. I'll tell you, man, uh, the kick six is obviously like, is one of the greatest plays ever in college football history. Like, not even just talking about Auburn history, right? But that play from that Georgia game, that is the quintessential, like, movie storyline. I know. It's fourth and 17. <laughs> I mean, it was literally like fourth and 17 or something crazy like that. And they're like, we're just, all right, guys, you're just going to run down the field and Nick Marshall's just going to drop a bomb. And we're and this yep. is the last, and like, there there's no chance. This is it for us. If we don't get this, the game's over. Yep. And he literally throws it up. The Georgia guys are right there. They tip it. They actually touch they it, it. Almost should intercept just, it. Should have intercepted should it. Should have either been intercepted or been knocked down to the ground. Yep. You do that, the game's over. Game's There's over. no timeouts. It's yep. over. It gets tips in the air. Ricardo Lewis keeps running. For some looks reason. Looks up into the air, and the ball falls, falls in his hands, and he scores a touchdown. Yeah. It's like a 70-yard yes. touchdown. It's, it's, like really, it's really funny. It's like you're narrating it for me right now because I'm watching <laughs> Looking it. Looking up on your iPhone. I'm watching it yeah. on YouTube right now, and he was literally in time yes. with the clip <laughs> it's like, as it happened because I, I don't I don't know any of this. I it's like Christian it. movie. The quarterback says a prayer, right. and then that happens. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of stuff. So that that play boggles my mind for sure. So yeah. that's cool that you were there for that. Yeah, I got to be that's there really for that. Special. That was a lot of fun. Speaking of sports, I need you to rate your level of pain on a scale of 1 to 10. How painful is it to grow up as a fan of Georgia professional sports? As a oh. Whew, it's rough. Well, when did the Braves win the World Series? 95? 95, yeah. 95. So I can remember that. So that's positive. <laughs> um, the Falcons, I can remember being at elementary school and we never, did the, never we mind did the, the fact dirty that bird. We, dirty bird, I was going to say. Never yeah. mind the fact that we lost like four other World Series during I mean, that stretch. I blocked that out. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Um, and, but the Falcons, yeah. I remember them going to the Super Bowl and yeah, losing to – it was Elway, right? The Broncos. Was that uh, Michael Vick? Was Michael he? Vick? Yeah. For those uh, who don't know, there's Vick? just basically – I think so. There's this shared assumption know, amongst people, especially that live in Atlanta, that Georgia professional teams are, like, cursed. Yeah, there's a, there's a curse. Like, they just – they. what was the one that hurt so bad – uh, not was, that long ago. It was the Falcons and the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Tom Brady <laughs> and his amazing bone structure just came back from how 21 down? 20, uh, I think it was actually 28. 20, it see, was 27. see, once again, I blocked it out, 21. So, All right. Two more quick ones. All right, what was your last Halloween costume? This is what we call dead air. <laughs> <laughs> Fill up the space that Brad is thinking in. I, I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> okay. It goes back to my TV show thing, and they're connected. So oh, my I word. Can, yeah. okay. Final question is, what is omphalophobia? 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 Sure, yeah. Omphalophobia. The fear of s- some sort of sound? No, it's the fear of belly buttons. <laughs> and this is rare, but it's a real thing. The people that 
experience that fear can't even look at their own. Is belly it? Button. I was about to say, is it a fear of seeing a belly button or touching a belly button? Both, both touching, any, touching all of and it. seeing any and outing. These people must not yeah. be able to go to the beach at any all. Any navel, any, any navel. navel. Yeah. Wow. So, all right. Well, that was the lightning. Great. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Oh well, yeah. So let's pick up uh, with college. So yeah, I'll be faster. You, uh, yeah. So you come to Auburn for college. What'd you major? Go to Auburn. Major in uh, communication with a minor in psychology and no hope for a job after that. <laughs> Learn that as a communication major. You were a communication major, right? So I, I went to a junior college since this is my meet a member. I went to a junior college and uh, and so I have an associate's communication. Yeah, yeah. But my bachelor's was in religion. Okay, okay. So yeah, I, I go to Auburn and uh, then after Auburn, I almost took a job at a church in St. Louis uh, working with uh, the middle school, their middle school ministry, and I didn't. I went to North Carolina, did a year-long discipleship program with Clayton King's ministry. I had been involved with them in college, and then I almost took that same job in St. Louis, First Baptist Harvester, um, which, once again, the Lord's providence, because that would have, the, the way things kind of went for that church, it would have ended bad for me. Um, but I was like, no, I need more training. And so I was looking at seminaries. I was familiar with Birmingham, Beeson Divinity School had a lot of things I was looking for. Phenomenal professors. It was uh, broadly evangelical, but inner denominational. There are a bunch of different denominations represented. I wanted to go and, and learn and, uh, be challenged. And I was, so that brought me to Birmingham. So that was fall of 2008, no. no, no, sorry, sorry. I'm thinking about when I came to Birmingham. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that was fall of 2012. College. Yep, fall of 2012. Yeah. And that's when I came to Shades. And so why'd you why'd you come to Shades? Because you had not been here before your parents, your grandparents, they didn't go to Shades. Yep. Uh, so there was a couple that came to Shades at the time, Cher and Bryant Haynes. Bryant played uh, oh, yeah, he guitar. played guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah shout out our Very talented musician, yeah. loves Radiohead. Jamie, yeah. I would have gotten along. Um, yeah. And his wife, Cher, was a campus minister at a uh, college uh, campus ministry at Auburn that I was very involved with, knew her very well. And she was coming to Shades at the time. And so I had looked around a few churches, and there was one night, and she texted a group and said, hey, we're moving. Um, we could use some help. And I can remember I saw the text <laughs> And I was like, I do not want to do this right now. <laughs> um, and I was like, I'm not going to go. And so, you know, put the phone down. Ended up going. And while we were there, I talked to her. And she's like, yeah, well, I've been going to this church, Shades Valley. She's like, it's super weird. And it <laughs> kind of reminds me of our goofy campus ministry. I think you'd like it. You should come check it out. So I uh, came and I was like, what is this building? I was like, this is super sketchy. Um, but showed up. She was supposed to and meet me in the parking familiar. lot. Vaguely familiar, right? She was supposed to meet me in the parking lot, but she was running late. Classic Shades move, right? Wow. And so I walk in, and I think I, Jonathan, I don't know if we met that first Sunday. I think we did. I, I think we did. I think it might have been after the service. So for, yeah. for everybody, just for context, this was my first year at Shades. Wow. Like, I hadn't even been at Shades a full year. I, I had started in February of 12. And at the time, I mean, on a Sunday, hundred uh, ish people. Yeah, there weren't a ton of us, and right, it was yeah. it was and everybody, it, like like it it was uh, it was pretty consistent. 
group. Yes. And so it was very easy to notice new people. Like you stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so like Brad shows up and it's like obvious to everyone in the room. Oh, this is a new guy who just walked in. <laughs> the new guy. Yeah. And so uh, I ended up meeting with Jonathan and they were looking for a part, 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 part time youth <laughs> director. It, it was, I always forget the, the, what the payment was. It was I, like 150 a month or something like I that? Think, I think it was 100 bucks a month. I really yeah. do. I talked to my parents. They were like, you probably shouldn't do that. You need <laughs> something else. You're not going to have time to do that in another driving seminary. But I was like, I, I kind of feel like this is where the Lord's leading me. And so. It's wild to me when I think back on how fast all of that happened. Um, because like we, yeah. I, I proposed us getting together because you were going to Beeson. I was like, oh, I'll give you the lowdown on Beeson because I had graduated from right, there yeah. within the last mm-hmm. year. And yeah, yeah, we met at Sam's Deli. Wasn't that the first one or was that the second time we met? it was Sanford. I could be wrong though. Okay. I don't know. We met at Sam's Deli at some point. Yeah. Um, but we met and, uh, it was super fast that I was like, so you want a job? It all happened so fast. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And, and so started working with the youth and then was able to move into the youth and office administrator role, so more of a part-time role, um, shades. And then that continued on through seminary. And uh, while I was in seminary, I was able to move to a discipleship director role, being kind of hands-on in more of our ministries here. And then after I graduated in 2016, I was able to come on full-time. As uh, the cybership director, and then I was ordained, became the cybership pastor. And so here I am. Today. Rock me like a hurricane. That's exactly what went through my head. If you had that clip, that would have been yeah. awesome. <laughs> I do need to get that clip. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, now, yeah. now you're rushing. You're rushing through all of that. I know. I was, I, trying, I, to, I was I trying to go know, quick. I know, I know we're, we're pushing on time and all of that, but uh, there is an important piece of the story we do need to back up and get in there, and that is while you were at Shades, you, you met somebody. It's true. So I had a rule that I would never date someone from Shades because I saw that as just a sentence on my job here. If right. things didn't end well, right. right? Like I'm the one that's leaving. And we all know that's the right thing. Um, there's a college student that I won't name, but Danny Delgado would always try to set me up with people. I mean, it was just constant. I really appreciated his persistence. And so at the time he was trying to set me up with someone he knew, and I was being a little hesitant. I don't know if I want to do that right now. So anyway, one Sunday morning, I went up to him. He was in front of the stage. Jules Huff was standing next to him. And I said, all right, Danny, I'm ready. Set me up with that girl. And he goes, what? <laughs> knows Danny. It's classic. You said you were going to set me up with this girl. He goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> Back, um, backtracking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, dude, I need to set you up with this girl. <laughs> And points to the back, and uh, Jordan Webb was talking with Maddie Moore, and Jules goes, oh, I think that could work. Wow. And so if you talk to Jordan, she'll say that she came up to me, her and Maddie came up to me, and that I totally just brushed her off and (laughs) dismissed her Mm -hmm. and told her not to stay and eat eat lunch with us. Um, But nonetheless, she kept coming, and eventually I slid into the Facebook messages. Yep. Um, and I go back, I don't, did you slide into the Facebook messages before or after the Christmas party at my house? Uh, that would have been after the the Christmas party, but I was definitely like pretending that I cared about your kids at the time, like picking them up, putting them in my lap. So this is my first memory of Jordan. 
reading the Bible to him. Um, <laughs> I like I don't I don't remember how I got wind of this. If it was through Maddie or whoever, but but I got wind of that there was interest from there. Both parties were interested in one another, and we had planned to have a bunch of uh, singles from Shades over to our house. Uh, it was yeah. early in December. We were going to decorate the Christmas tree together and just hang out. And so we intentionally invited Jordan and and you and yeah, Brad was totally using my children. It's true to to yep. show it that he could be. A <laughs> you got to use all the resources available to you when you you know you're in that position. Could be a good life partner. Yeah, but I when I think about that Facebook message, oh man, I mean it was painful. Like because everyone went out to lunch and then afterwards I messaged her and I was like, Jordan, I thought that your reflection on passion. Uh, conference was very intriguing. You know, as I reflect theologically on the movement... Oh, you sound like a seminarian. Totally. Trying to impress. 100%, yeah. So, um, but, yeah. um, You sound like someone who deserves Bradford's Book Club theme song. (laughs) (laughs) That's what needed to be playing while she was reading that Facebook message. So, yeah, we actually... uh, it was uh, after the staff Christmas party. We had been on one date. Uh, she was babysitting Moses. Yeah. When y'all right. lived in Crestwood. Yeah. And uh, yep. so I came back after the staff Christmas party. We hung out. And then we yeah. sat on John Mark's truck from about 1030 till about 4 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> we were we were trying talking. to go to sleep. And I'm like peeking out the blinds. Like, what are they still doing out there talking? It's, a, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. Isn't it just crazy to go back and think <laughs> Ashley, about, I feel like I have to supervise. But Ashley was very excited. She's like, look, they're talking. It's like 1 a.m. This is awesome. Could you imagine that now? Maybe let's go sit outside from 10 to 4 a.m. and talk to one another. Uh, so, yep. Anyway, that's how we met. And the rest is history. Oh, right. Oh, oh, you're not getting off that easy. One more thing. One more thing. It was right after that. Y'all had just started dating. Uh, you and I left and went on an Israel trip. Oh, wow. that's true. Yes. So we're we're gone on this Israel trip. And and throughout the years that Brad and I had been working together up until that point, he had uh, – it sounds like I'm going to say – he had this string of relationships. No, but he had dated a little bit here and there. Um, but – never never expressed like any kind of certainty uh, nothing serious it's not like i had to introduce a girl that i was dating in front of the entire congregation no, i don't know on a sunday oh, morning oh, i don't know what you're talking after about after two dates you're not still bitter oh, about this are you um uh, awkward i need to work through that i need to work through that to my shame i've made many mistakes as a pastor <laughs> and this is one of them i that wasn't you that I, wasn't you that was Mike Parrish. Uh, Mike Parrish. And he said he didn't know. He thought we were engaged. <laughs> I was like, no, Mike. We definitely were not. We've been on two dates, no. bro. No, sir. So, yeah. But, yeah. So many people came up to me and apologized. It was pretty great. Oh, man. Well, um, so we go on this oh, yeah. Israel trip. They've only been on a couple of dates. And they're like FaceTime in here and there, that kind of thing. Um, but Brad comes in this one night. And I actually, I wrote this, I always, if I go on a trip, like an extended trip, especially overseas, I journal um, just as a way of remembering the trip. And I wrote this in my journal and I read it at your wedding. You did, Um, yeah. Wow. Because he comes in and it's ridiculous late. I don't remember what it is. It's like, Jonathan, you still awake? Um, And he starts talking to me. You know how you are in this phase of relationship. You're all giddy and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And he starts talking to me and he says something to the effect of like, I think this could be it 
and I had never heard him express anything remotely similar to that. And I wrote that down in my in my journal. And as I watched the their relationship unfold over the next just couple of days, because we were rooming together, I think I wrote something like, "Yeah, I I think this is going to be it." Something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been super goofy this podcast, but to get serious, my wife is the biggest grace on my life. Uh, she is someone that deeply loves Jesus and loves other people um, very uh, intentionally and thoughtfully. And uh, talking about journals, I can remember being in high school and uh, writing a journal and listing out all these qualities I was looking for in a wife. Um, <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, one of the things was a, a partner in ministry. And mm-hmm. I've, I've found that in Jordan Brown. She is she is my rock. She is my partner in ministry, and she brings me so much joy. So she's a gift, and I love her. And what does she do? She is a speech pathologist at Children's Hospital. She works in the main hospital, mostly in the NICU. Uh, she's a rock star. She does so many amazing things that I'm too dumb to explain. <laughs> if she were here, Amen. when we get her on, she will explain what she does. Right. And it's it's remarkable the things she does for families each and every day. So, Well, we can attest to everything that Brad just said. As a matter of fact, um, we didn't really like Brad until after he was married. That's, Fair enough. That's the effect that Jordan is. No, I'm just kidding. Fair enough. But no. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree. We love you, Jordan. Mm. Well, kind of as, I guess, our last thing, um, why don't you just say something for just a quick moment about the clarity that you feel like the Lord has been bringing to your calling over the last, like, year and a half? You um, you feel like there's a very specific direction he's leading you in. And we've talked about it a little bit before, but just say something about that real quick. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I'm honest, I think uh, maybe over the past two years, I've, I've felt some frustration in my calling, mm. uh, just kind of not knowing uh, what was next or what I should be focusing on yeah. and really spending my time investing in. Uh, so I would have conversations with people and they would say, um, so when are you going to be a lead pastor? And I can remember being like, oh, like, thank you, uh, but I, I'm just not interested. And they're like, oh, you're just scared. Not everyone would say that, but it's like, oh, you just wait. And like, look what the Lord will do. Like, don't fight it. And so I kind of be like, okay. I'm like, but I really don't want to be a lead pastor. Like, it just really didn't feel like the Lord was leading me in that direction. And so I began just kind of thinking on like, okay, well, what's going to be the thing? We read a book uh well, I guess we didn't read it as a staff. Maybe we just had conversations about Cal Newport's Deep Work yeah. in there, which is a really great book. You I should was, check I it was out. forced to read that book. That's and right. Then, yeah, and then I think I was... That's right, yeah, Because yeah. I remember that, because I started talking to you about kind of what it was making me think about, and, and you, like, had a crisis in response Yeah, totally. To Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, he's one of the things he says in the book that stayed with me is, if you're doing something in your day that an intern could do with If you're doing that with the majority of your day, stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. right. He's like, you're doing something that someone else can just come on the job or whatever. He's talking as someone that's trying to a secular audience. So he's like, you could be replaced by. Um, So he's like, invest, spend your time doing uh, that thing that you're passionate about, that you love doing and that you have the skills um, at your age, with your experience to do. And that can be, uh, very helpful for pastors as they mm-hmm. think about their day and they think about, okay, what am I going to spend my time doing? And so it was really that question 
um, that I've been asking for the past two years and really didn't have an answer. I would kind of go down a path and then be be uh, met with a dead end. Um, and so it really wasn't until uh, 2020. Look at God doing something good wow. in 2020. Won't he do it? Yeah. Um, uh, to make a really long story short, I uh, started becoming very interested in uh, psychology and pastoral counseling and just started uh, reading and soaking up as much as I could. And the more that I read about it and the more that I talked to people about the field of psychology and counseling, I felt like the Lord was saying, hey, this is it. I want you to spend the rest of your life thinking about the intersection between theology and psychology. And I want you to spend your pastoral ministry um, around pastoral care and counsel. And um, so this was a shock to me and a shock to, to others, uh, uh, other friends. Um, but it's something that the Lord's continued to affirm. And so as I kind of began to get into the world of psychology, I realized how much I don't know. And um, I just kind of have the personality, like when I do something, I really, I really want to do it. And so I have, uh, I'm going back to school this summer. I'll be at uh, Indiana Wesley University remotely uh, doing an online program to be, to get a master's in clinical mental health counseling. And so I hope it shades to, to really focus my ministry. Uh, we always wear a bunch of different hats at shades, but I really hope to focus a lot of time on pastoral care and counseling. And I think that'll manifest itself in a variety of ways. I honestly don't know what it's going to look like, but just uh, walking, taking one step at a time where I feel like the Lord's leading me. So, yeah. No, that's that's awesome. And I, I, I still remember the day you came to talk to me about that specifically in my office. And I was just like, is he yeah, gonna, is he gonna fire me? <laughs> no, I was no, like, I didn't I, think I, that. I, I didn't yeah, think that. It, it just it from what the Lord had been doing in your life, you mm-hmm. know, providentially, like it just made sense as like the next logical step. And so I know that we're really excited yeah. about how the Lord is growing you in this way, and and how that's gonna play out and affect your work here amongst shades. Like I just I think it's yeah gonna be such a gift. Well, to the body at we, large. Yeah, we say this all the time that uh, Shades is a place that invites vulnerability and messy authenticity. And so I I really want to continue to foster that. Mm. You know, um, I want to be equipped to do that, to really create spaces where uh, we don't just sit on the website, but we really can be honest with one another, that we can open up and share with one another about the things that we thought that we would never share with another human. And in the midst of that, be met with with grace and kindness and forgiveness. And I really believe that the wor- the Lord um, works through that when we have the, the courage to be honest with one another, to be honest with him, to confess it. And uh, he meets us there and heals us and, and leads us on a journey towards uh, wholeness in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that is a direct quote from the rebel Baptist black sheep kid mm-hmm. here i am to quote one of my favorite bradford brown phrases look at god <laughs> look at god look at god no it's true it that's is awesome well man thanks so much for letting us interview you and and believe it or not i i learned some things yeah me too yeah look at that that's so. that's all i wanted that's all i've ever wanted i learned that you could be in Petrie's peach tree city and drive around a golf cart <laughs> to any restaurant that you want in the area yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
Totally. So, well, well, I'll have to take a trip with the, with the families. We yeah. go tour all the. Aren't there a bunch of Hollywood studios around there now? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Pinewood, Pinewood, yeah. Pinewood. They do all the Marvel movies. There you go. Right. They did like yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, they have all these sound stages like 15 minutes from my house, and so you know Chris Pratt's hanging out down there. A bunch of other stars. It's pretty wild. It's wild. Yeah. Well. I definitely didn't want us to end on a serious note, so that's a much better place to call it. Sorry, that was my fault. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's That's good. totally my bad. No, it's great. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, Bradford. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. And thanks for not planning anything this week so that we had to do this. I really appreciate (laughs) it. Well, this has been another episode of Shades Midweek, and we will see you next time. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah.